I'm Michelle White, bringing you eight years of clinical experience in gut-focused therapy. Thanks for joining me on Happy Inside, the podcast where we talk about the behavioural and psychological aspects of gut disorders. Everything that no one else is talking to you about is happening here. Yesterday, I had a conversation with another practitioner and she was sharing with me the change that she's personally made away from ineffective practitioners to good ones. And that's fueled her to improve on her own practices with clients to make sure that she's one of those goodies. And it got me thinking that there are a lot of really ineffective practitioners out there. And you might not yet know what to look for in a practitioner. How to find one that's effective and attuned to you. And how to find one that heals rather than harms. So I myself have had many experiences over my lifetime with practitioners that are falling short especially in their manner and that's the crucial point that I want to bring your attention to today because skill gaps are one thing and they can be forgiven in certain circumstances like maybe the practitioner is fairly new to some information and they need to spend more time researching you know, maybe a particular condition that you have. And if they're forthcoming in that time, sharing with you that, you know, I I really would like to know more about this condition. I'm going to take some time between now and when I see you next to gather some more information about it and see how it relates here. That's okay. But if their manner is all over the shop or just isn't even there in the first place, that's a whole nother ball game altogether. And that's what we're talking about today. One thing that really <laughs> hits me to tears are practitioners who believe that their skills and their experience are just <laughs> so magical that they don't need to have any rapport or positive regard for the client, for you. Come on, (laughs) that's not okay. That's arrogant, actually. Imagine, actually, how amazing those practitioners would be whose skills and experience are just out of this world and their rapport and manner was also out of this world. They would just be rocking it. They would be providing so much goodness for so many people. So experience and skills should never be an excuse to be treated like you're invisible or you're just a number. So I'm speaking from a psychotherapist perspective today when I share with you the crucial elements to look for when you're seeking out a practitioner or you know, as a checklist against your current practitioner. But these can be transferred onto any type of practitioner, not just a therapist. 
So let's start with your first appointment. It's ideal that that practitioner has some background about you before you've arrived, that they've read a referral letter or they've pre-read your history form, but generally that they've educated themselves somewhat about you before they meet you. Next thing is boundaries around time. So if you're regularly left in that waiting room because they're running grossly over time, then that's just poor time management and boundary setting on their behalf. Your time is as important as theirs. And you've chosen that time to fit in with your schedule. And that time's allocated to you. Therefore, you should be provided with that time, not a time an hour later. Now, personally, I schedule time between clients as a buffer. So if I do run slightly over, it doesn't impact the next client. And it also provides time for me to take a short break or to review the next client so I can be refreshed and ready for them when they arrive. Those appointments should be all about you. You're the center point of each and every appointment, not the practitioner. So one time um, in community mental health, I attended uh, a psychologist appointment with one of my clients. And the psychologist was running 10 minutes late. It was actually the first appointment of the day. And she was running 10 minutes late and Initially, I was excusing that, thinking, you know, maybe she's been caught in traffic or something. But she bowled into reception and um, put her bags down and um, came over and said hi to the client and and then um, told her, that, oh, I'm just ducking out to get a coffee. Do you want one? <laughs> I was mortified. And what's worse about this is my client wasn't because that was a regular occurrence for her appointments. Now, first and foremost, especially in therapy, to the best of our ability, it's our duty to ensure we're not inflicting further harm on a client. We're taught this as psychotherapists. It's drilled into us. Because you know what? Humans are vulnerable. And we become even more vulnerable when we're not feeling good in the world and when we're seeking support. There's this natural power imbalance in a therapeutic relationship that happens. And as a psychotherapist, our job is to minimize this as much as possible and respect it. And the same goes really for any client and practitioner relationship. Now going back to this client that I was sitting with in the waiting room, She experiences long-term major depression and suicide ideation and self-harm. Her self-respect and self-worth was extremely low and this psychologist was reinforcing that by disrespecting the client's time because she was putting her own personal needs first. That coffee, that was a personal want, not a need or a requirement for her to perform her role. 
it says very clearly to the client, my coffee and my comfort are more important than your comfort and your time and your well-being. This is so, so, so damaging. The client was so used to not being seen or put as equal or even a priority because of her own upbringing. So although that message was very clear to me, the client just accepted that as normal behavior because she was used to it. She wasn't realizing that that was causing her further harm. That therapeutic relationship is powerful. And it can either harm or heal. And in this instance, it was the very reason why the client wasn't recovering. Why she was getting worse and why she was perpetually held in therapy. You must always be in the driver's seat with both of your hands firmly planted on that steering wheel. The practitioner is there to guide you, to give you direction, but ultimately it's you who decides which road you take. It's you who decides what speed you go at and whether you stop or whether you keep going. Know how practitioners make you feel. Psychotherapists in particular should be attuned to you. In fact, there's no good reason I can't think of that this wouldn't relate to other practitioners, you know, a nutritionist or a GP or a gastroenterologist or specialist or a massage therapist. And here's how you can tell if those practitioners are attuned to you. They take the time with you to build rapport. They listen well and without judgment. And they ask questions without judgment, yeah, with curiosity. They set and they maintain clear boundaries with you. They're reliable. They're observant. They see you as a whole, not a separate body part or condition or disease or diagnosis. They utilize your strengths and they empower you. They respect your human rights and they don't discriminate. And they also respect your privacy and your confidentiality. They use appropriate tone of voice and body language. And they speak in your language. They foster a sense of safety and trust. And they reflect on their own work. They work within their own skill set and limits. And they don't attempt to be everything to you. And they definitely aren't your friend. So in psychology, there's a concept called goodness of fit. And goodness of fit is a relationship that fosters healthy psychological development and positive self-esteem. And it's based on the temperament and the personality of each person in that relationship. And this is what you want to look for and feel for when you're choosing a practitioner. And it's also why it can be really helpful to trial that practitioner for one or two appointments 
to get a feel for that fit before you commit to a you know longer term relationship with them. And you know what? It's absolutely okay to let that practitioner know up front. You know, when you're booking that this is your intention just to have one or two appointments. And if that practitioner is funny about it, then that's your first sign of incompatibility. At the end of the day, if it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. Intuition and instinct are absolutely your best friend. I'm Michelle White. Thanks for listening. We live in an age where we make choices based on ratings and reviews. So if you like this podcast, please tell me and other potential listeners by leaving a review. Those puppies matter and it's one of the best ways you can show your support. You can also follow Happy Inside on Facebook and Instagram and sign up to the newsletter on the Happy Inside website. And if one-on-one support is right up your alley, then the Happy Inside program is for you in the Sydney Clinic or through online consultations. There's also the Happy Inside iPhone app, a component of the full program in case you don't have access. And if you already own the app, remember, those reviews matter. All these details can be found at happyinside.com.au. Happiness starts on the inside, so join me on the next episode for all those conversations that foster a happy inside.